taking the time at least once a day, even if it's like 10 minutes, even if I'm just sitting to draw five lines that don't make sense at all and they don't make any shape or whatever, but just making those lines, just like letting my brain breathe a little bit, it's so important. Hi, you're listening to Looks Like Work. I'm your host, Chet McLean-Learn. Yeah, it's the least pronounceable name you've ever heard, but you'll get used to it. I'm a serial entrepreneur who's obsessed with curiosity, creativity, and grit, and that's just to get started. I really can't get enough of learning more about people's career choices. What fulfills them? How do they deal with burnout, with heartbreak? How do they protect their boundaries? And is it all even working? Those are questions that keep me up at night and I hope to explore here. On this podcast, we'll have deep conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, people juggling a few jobs, sometimes even a few industries, sharing what looks like work for them. With that, on to the episode. I really hope you'll enjoy it. Lital Gold, I can't believe we are having this conversation and that we're actually <laughs> recording it. I've been such a fangirl of yours for so many years. I don't even remember since when I think I found out about you from a not from Design Break, yeah, maybe. I think it's been a while. It, it's been a while. And you've done so many amazing things. You've designed patterns for... high fashion clothing you are doing online art lessons you're yeah. selling your beautiful prints so let's take a minute and if you don't mind tell me about yourself and tell our <laughs> listeners about yourself yeah so I I'm Lital I was born in Tel Aviv raised in Hulon um, all my life For high school, I went to um, an art high school outside of Cholon. Um, and this is actually where I, well, my, the first, my first interaction with art was through my dad, who is a graphic designer. And he has an independent studio. And he, he had the studio for um, over 35 years. So this is actually where I was exposed to art and graphic design and design aesthetic in general. So I, I kind of knew from a very young age that this is a path that is um, very interesting and that I would love to explore in the future. And I kind of grew up with it and I ended up going to um, Ten Mayelin, which is an art high school in Giva time. And then the way to Shankar was um, almost, it was pretty obvious that I would continue in that path. I came to Shankar and I... Um, tried to I did the like audition I tried um, the graphic design department and the textile design department I, what I liked about textile is my knowledge was not very wide like I didn't know a lot about textiles I just like how it was three-dimensional and how it was something that you can actually touch um, and graphic design was almost it was obvious because of my dad and I this is a world that was somewhat more familiar. Uh, to me and um, I found myself in textile design and this is how I majored in print making and um, print design and um, after graduating I worked for a little bit in um, Israel in um, 
a company named Mako that they were a part of Teflon, which is a bigger company. It's a textile company, pretty um, pretty well known and old in Israel. I was designing prints for swimwear. After a year of working there, I got this. Well, at first, I was supposed to come to New York for three months for uh, an internship at um, DVF, Dion von Furstenberg. And then I also got this really amazing opportunity. I got job offer from free people. Um, and I ended up choosing the job over the internship, obviously, which was very wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it was a very, very hard step for me to take. It was a very hard thing to accept because um, I wasn't looking to leave Israel not permanently or not even for like temp like I thought a, a, an internship a three month internship made sense but then uh, my parents were very encouraging especially my dad knowing the design industry in Israel and knowing how this can really affect my future so I took the opportunity and that was nine years ago <laughs> that, that's incredible so that your parents were so supportive and that they Maybe even because they they had that familiarity knowing the industry yeah. so well, yeah, so that leads me to something that I find really fascinating, and I wonder, so you kind of knew the the, the industry by proxy, right and yeah. and you knew what you enjoy doing, and you chose to focus on textiles, and many of our listeners might not know them this whether they're Israeli or not, but in Israel, there was. A thriving textile industry years ago that was is pretty much non-existent now if I'm not mistaken and Teflon which you mentioned was a big manufacturer was. Uh, that worked with a lot of foreign you know US or European companies and then you go into Shinkala and you choose to, to study what you love right and what speaks to you yeah but since you said you didn't think about you working or living outside of Israel permanently, what were your plans? How, wh- where did you see yourself if you would have thought, you know, nine years later? What was the path that you thought would happen? In Israel, you mean? Or in general? In general, well, I thought I would come here for... I, I really wanted a taste of outside of Israel, like the, the industry. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say the real industry because there is industry in Israel. It's just very, very small. And I wanted to experience something a little bit bigger. I had no expectations, but in order to make it easier for me and to put things like on a like a timeline, let's say, I thought I would be here for a year mm-hmm. and then I would go back home and just keep doing what I love, which was very naive because I wasn't considering like because I again, growing up uh, next to my dad and and seeing him working independently for good and for for worse. Uh, this is what I wanted for myself. I knew this is a path that I would love to explore, like being independent, like working independently. Um, so that's that's what I thought I would be doing. only I wasn't considering like you know the industry, I wasn't considering you know so many factors that are involved. Um, so in a very naive way, I thought I would work here a little bit and then go back and keep working. <laughs> so what happened? After a year, I decided that I've had enough and I'm ready to go back. And obviously, the same day that I was able to say it out loud and not really feel bad about it, mm-hmm. that's the day where I met my husband. In New York? In, in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia. Wow. 
yeah so uh we met that that night basically and amazing yeah that i like he knew that i wanted to go back and he was fine with that he was actually thinking about making aliyah so it was it was there all the time it still still is mm-hmm. but then i realized that maybe i should i want and then the, the whole freelance idea became a little bit more like it was more put together mm-hmm. and I thought okay if I'm starting a new like freelance independent career maybe I should consider starting it here growing a little bit and then when it's more um when I'm more defined when my aesthetic is more defined maybe then I can take myself back to Israel I'm still there I'm still thinking about it <laughs> but it's um it, it's a process and I still hope both of us still hope and want to go back to Israel Wow, what a story meant to be. Then you were at free people and for a few years there you are kind of going between free people anthropology, urban outfitters and this might not be interesting to you but at least you know from the outside as an avid consumer of all these brands, how was it kind of staying in the same place but still getting to dip your toes into so many different categories and brand languages it was yeah it was interesting because all of urban Inc all of their brands are they sit under the same umbrella but they are a little bit different they just speak pretty much the same typecast like if you think about the girl that is growing up, She starts with urban outfitters which might be the younger from all and then she's more a little bit more elevated and more like defined she'll go like the free people way and then when she grows up eventually she'll go with anthropology you know so it's pretty much the same aesthetic only different stories I guess and it was very interesting to me because when I started I started with free people I moved on to um, anthropology and Which I worked on both apparel and uh, home mm-hmm. and then I continued with urban outfitters home this was for me for the beginning of my f- independent career it was perfect because I touched a little bit of every industry and I just like you said I was touching almost every category because at urban I was doing home and accessories and then in free people I was doing only fashion so I This is it really helped me to define my not only my artistic style but also understanding better my job as a print designer as a surface designer in the industry so that was a very um, very big step for me especially you know that was the kickoff of my freelance years so it was amazing it was um, perfect oh, that's incredible and you you were freelancing for them so with three people I was I was full-time for two and a half years and then um, by that time me and Daniel we got married and when I came here I was on a work visa from urban so they were my sponsors mm-hmm. and as soon as me and Dan got married he was my sponsor for a while and then I got my green my green card as soon as I got my green card I was able to basically work so as soon as that happened I started freelancing with anthropology and So I stopped the full time and I moved to freelance. So I was with anthropology for a year and I was with urban outfitters for another year. That's amazing. So this takes you into what you were envisioning all the while. Like you said, when you saw your, your dad working as a graphic designer and you were looking at 
being a freelancer, being self-employed. Can you tell me more about what drew you so much? Like I, I really relate to that, like being, you know, independent, being an entrepreneur, but what drew you so much into that like freelance lifestyle? What, what was magical to you about it? I can tell you that from looking at my dad, I just loved how he was leading his own, uh, back in the day, he had a studio in Tel Aviv and he had three designers working for him with him. And I just loved how he was leading the studio and how he was managing the studio and managing his own schedule. I knew that some days he was in the studio, some days he was at the print shop. So it, I, I kind of, this really inspired me to build something of my own. And not from my dad's uh, perspective, just from my perspective, I just really enjoyed touching uh, so many different categories I thought and this is something that is very unique to textile design because when you study textile design you touch even if you major in one specific thing you still touch so many different areas you touch I in Shankar I studied knit design different weaving techniques so and and then like print design so this was really allowing me to still major in what I do and do the print design mainly, but also design for woven tops, for example, or for knitwear. Um, so I, I just wanted to keep this um, textile design concept and use it to, to the max and really use all of it because it's it's so amazing. That's amazing. And yeah, and I see that you touched upon packaging, accessories, bedding, so many different things that are also such different applications. Like, I don't know how different it is from the design side, but then, you know, I think what's amazing about textile design is that someone actually in the world is wearing it or sleeping on it. And there's so many different applications in different, you know, places in their life. Yes, yes, for sure. It's actually, it's a very big part of people's days. You know, if I design bedding that you want to put on your bed and you want to sleep in it it's very intimate it creates something very close between like I'm designing something for you to use it in such a an intimate way mm -hmm. I don't know it can be even like a print for a bra it can be picture on on your wall it can be a wallpaper you know these things they touch your body they cover your body they cover your walls they cover your space and there's something in that that kind of relationship to me that is very um very interesting. That's very personal. And I'm, I'm wondering, I'm just thinking about you, you're like kind of making your way in the US while kind of getting familiar with everything. And maybe I'm romanticizing it in my head, but you're doing all of that while you're working in such quintessentially American uh, brands. How was it really being there, especially as you were thinking initially that it was going to only be for a short time and then really building a life there and especially going like, first of all, to Philadelphia, that maybe, maybe Israelis know less, know usually, you know, New York, LA, etc. I didn't know where Philadelphia was. I didn't know. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. Working in the US for 28-year-old Israeli that comes from a very different mentality into... First of all, it free people. I was working with a lot of girls that were younger, like I was 28 and they were 19. Mm -hmm. And they were just starting their career. And in a way, I was just starting my career because I graduated at 27. Taking me as a 27 or 28 year old and it's taking a 19 year old girl that had just finished high school and putting us in the same level. That was a very big challenge for me. 
um, especially if you take, you know, again, mentality differences and the mental, like the personal differences that happen naturally because of the, the age difference. It was very difficult at first. I didn't think I would survive it <laughs> for such a long time. Uh, but this is also this is also a part of me wanting to be a freelancer is just making my own my own rules, let's say, not rules as rules, but just giving myself the time and the space to do other things within what I do. So it was very in the beginning, it was very difficult. But as soon as I got the idea and it took a while, it took a couple of years, you know, you can live in a place, but then. Feeling the place takes time, I think. It took me a while, especially because I was always thinking about another place I want to be in, which is Israel. So living one foot here and one foot there was really difficult. And I, and I did it for such a long time. And then the day I told myself, it's okay, you can still live here and love it there and eventually get there. But you have to just be present in the present and just be present in what you do. Otherwise it will not work. And the day I realized that was the day that I started really committing and communicating and feeling the place. Uh, and this is when the work ethic and the mentality and everything just all of a sudden made sense. And then it was very, very easy for me that that was actually when I was pregnant with Mika with my first child and I was still living in Philly and I was going back and forth between New York and Philadelphia every day. At the time I was working with between five to seven different offices. Every day I was going to another a different office with a different client and I was just working there. And this this was when I was really able to commit and, and just go for it without being scared without thinking, oh, but I want to be there, but I'm doing this and just letting myself be. Wow, so it really took kind of um, just focusing the intention and, and letting yourself love both places. That's super powerful. And then you went into being a freelancer, like you said, you were going uh, between anywhere between five and seven offices, which is crazy. And like, think if then we would know that you could do everything <laughs> via Zoom. It was quite intense. Let me tell you that being on the train twice a day for like almost more than three hours wow. total was a pain in the butt. <laughs> uh, but it was worth it because first of all, I knew this in me, I, I got to know this part in me, and I made so many connections. And then as soon as after my daughter was born, it was very easy to relocate ourselves from Philadelphia to New York. And it was easy to be in the industry and immediately get work because of the, the connections that I made before. And so you're setting up your career as a freelancer. And what is what are the things that are important to you? What do you know that you want to do? Or what do you know that you absolutely don't want to do going into it? So I knew that at some point I would like to teach. Mm-hmm. And I knew that everything that I'm doing, the fact that it is difficult and it is, you know, having a lot of clients, which, you know, some of them request you being in the office and some of them are okay with you working from home. So you kind of need to build your schedule and then you kind of need to know where you're going and when, and you need to make sure that it's not interfering, interfering with anybody else and that you get your work on time. So I knew that at some point I would like to um, either teach or art direct to get to that point, which is what I'm doing now, only not as a freelancer. <laughs> now I have a full-time job for the second time in my life. 
<laughs> I knew that there are all kinds of different opportunities in the textile industry. I knew that I there's some opportunities that I knew I would not be doing, which is uh, working with print studios. I preferred being a print studio myself and not work for print studios. Oh, interesting. I knew that I want to work with as many people as possible and in really get to know like that's again one of the benefits of working such a crazy schedule is that you really meet a lot of people you know you get to know your industry from the inside and you really understand um, you really understand how it works and this is something that I really wanted I really wanted to understand how it works I wanted to understand all the different levels because you know here especially in the states there are so many titles yeah and so many different positions and now I can say that I actually I know what everybody does and I know how it works and I know what happens to how you start working on a print and what happens with it as soon as it leaves the studio and it goes to production. Um, and when it comes back, just the schedule of the design process, put it that way. So I think I, I just wanted to really get to know um, this profession and all of its little like drawers and like sub, you know, subcategories. That was a big goal for me. You know, especially in what you do, there is just practically there are so many different tasks and things, but also you've worked with companies that are larger, that are corporates. So there is yeah. there is a real hierarchy and there is a real kind of um, process. It's not like yeah. one person does it all. So it's, it's pretty fascinating. And I'm wondering, how did you find it? You know, you're freelancing, you're your own boss. So, of course, there are all the questions about just managing yourself and activity and all of that, which I know we, we all struggle <laughs> with. Uh, oh, my God. Yes. But, um, also, you've worked with such amazing companies. Going from declining the, the internship at DVF, you went to later on uh, designing patterns and prints for Tory Burch that later walked the runway. How did you find the angle, you know, the, the, the side of things that involves being your own marketer? You, you can't only be a designer or an artist. You actually have to be your own company, including a marketing department. Yeah, it's a big part of it. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't, it's not only sitting and doing the fun part of like designing and coloring and everything. Um, you also need to really manage yourself, it, which is funny because these days with Zoom, like I can sit in my pajamas literally like mm-hmm. all day, like the, cup, the first couple of months of lockdown, I was literally sitting in my pajamas working every day. But a couple of years before when I was freelancing, uh, one of my first thing was you have to get dressed in the morning. You have to, and this is again, another thing that I learned from my dad. This is because he's been working from home in the past 10, maybe more years. You have to get dressed. You have to think about your job as if you are going out to work, even if you work from home. You can't just sit in your pajamas and like, because you have to like even wear your shoes, like everything's, mm-hmm. even if you're in the house. Yeah, wearing shoes is, it's hardcore. <laughs> totally, totally. My dad puts on his shoes. Uh, Daniel is the same way. My husband is a, a musician and composer. So he does, he works from home and he does the same thing. And which I, I think makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm still not into putting shoes in the house, but yeah, <laughs> part of it. It's like the going for work motivation. Um, so there's that. And then there's managing your time and really making sure that, because if I don't do my own marketing, eventually, like 
I will have no clients. It's true that at some point it's kind of, it cruises like people know you and they contact you and clients from the past come always come back. I just had another collaboration with anthropology. I haven't spoken with them for like maybe three and a half years before. So, you know, there's those things, but then you do have to make it happen and you have to have a section of the day just for that dedicated for that to if it's reaching out to people reaching out to potential clients if it's working on your portfolio working on your website if it's uh, meeting with people uh, making sure that you keep your connections and you know LinkedIn it, from my experience I don't know it was in my industry at least was working better like five years ago and now it's a little bit it works differently oh interesting yeah. Yeah. I find it, it. Yeah. Really in my industry, like I talk to a lot of people that reach out to uh, potential clients and companies and follow companies and they work less and less with LinkedIn. That's what it seems like, but it's still a very big tool for finding work. So making sure that this is updated, you know, so you have to dedicate like a portion of your day just for that. And just having the discipline to do it is it's hard. It's a challenge. I think this is this might be the biggest challenge uh, for everybody, not just for designers. Yeah, I think for a lot of people going into, you know, working for yourself, it's so romantic. And then you don't think about the fact that your actual work, you know, what you really came here to do is such a small part <laughs> of uh, what you need to do because you have all the overhead that you don't even have to think about. Yeah, absolutely. When, when you're employed at and you work for someone else. And this is really interesting what you said about LinkedIn because I was just really marveling at how well kept your LinkedIn is, which is so uh, unusual a lot of times for designers and for people from like the more artistic and creative. And I think that's because of the freel- my freelance um, history because <laughs> I know that if this is not well put together, if this is not, this is another portfolio, this is another platform where I can present my work and potentially get work. It's, it's different with people that just have full time because this is what they do and this is where they work. But for me, this is the key for getting to know other people, other clients, other connections. This is, it's a big tool. It was, I mean, it still is a big, a big tool for me. I'm saying it was because I'm not freelancing so much right now. I'm, uh, again, full time, but it's still a very big tool. Yeah. And you're also working with very large companies where regardless of the fact that you're a creative, they use those tools. It's really interesting. And I wonder what I see with a lot of my friends who are creative and with myself, you know, I'm not, I'm not as creative, but I write and I started my way as a writer and a translator. So a lot of times with people who are doing more creative things, two things happen. First of all, uh, we feel like so grateful to even work at something that we love that a lot, a lot of times we don't price our, our services accordingly. So that's another thing where you have to think about when you're not a full-time employee. And the other thing which I've been thinking about a lot lately is kind of your identity because you do what you love and what you do is your hobby. So why do you need anything else besides work? And I'm wondering if you have, what do you do or how do you think about yourself or your identity beyond uh, what you do? That's a good question. <laughs> it's hard. It, it's 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 a hard one because what I do is connected to where I live, which is connected to how I got here, which is connected to my being and the people that I've met, and I. It's all pretty much connected. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard. 
it's quite a tough one. Yeah, totally get it. But you do so many different things also. You, you're back to full-time, right? Yeah. And do you want to tell us what you do within that? After eight, almost eight years of freelancing, I received a job offer from Kate Spade, uh, which is a brand that I've always absolutely loved. And I was also buying. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like a very good client. So uh, I received a job offer for a full-time position. And the position was to basically lead the novelty team, which is not prints. It's more illustrations. And it's more the difference between novelty print and a regular print is that a print could be flowers for example and novelty will be flowers with uh, a ladybug sitting on it so it makes it more conversational it makes it more it has a twist it has a story which I felt immediately connected to because if they were offering me I think if they were offering me a print design position I wouldn't have taken it but novelty was really something a little bit different and there's like an extra value to it so I really I I loved it so um, I started working there almost a year ago three weeks before we went on lockdown so I had three weeks in the office and then ever since (laughs) my position has been from home but I am I'm the senior designer of the novelty team I have an amazing team of five really really talented um, designers and illustrators and we work together and we design cross-brand categories we design for um, novelty for bags for handbags for ready-to-wear we do all the accessories. So it's really, again, it's just putting everything that I've learned in throughout my career, just putting it in, you know, something that is more defined and more specific for one um, aesthetic. And it's good because I felt ready for it. I was, I, I really felt ready, both professionally, aesthetically, um, emotionally, everything just made sense about it. So yeah, and what timing before lockdown, it's amazing. Yeah, it's horrible. has it been managing a team because that's another thing I think one of the things that I get to talk to about and and think about a lot is kind of the difference between an individual contributor and a manager track where you can be an amazing designer but never want to manage a team or you can be someone who's that's true part part of your career is also kind of uh, going on that ladder which is fascinating on itself and, and it's another job really absolutely how have you found it especially working remotely challenging it's a whole different position when it's done remotely it's something completely different than what it would have been personally like face to face in the office I had experience uh, managing again throughout the career like I was managing small groups of freelancers or I was uh, managing, I had a client that I worked with for three years and I was managing the whole team, but it, the team was very, very small. And it was, so I had, I had a little bit of uh, managing experience. And with Kate Spade, the idea was and still is to manage and also our direct. That portion came very naturally. But the biggest challenge about this position, just like you're saying, it's a whole different, like managing is a different position than designing. Mm-hmm. Managing remotely is like something it's like a different trip and it's it's a real challenge especially when we let, went on lockdown after three weeks I knew some people but I didn't knew everybody and it was like a name on the email and seeing 50 faces on zoom on a meeting and not knowing who 
it was just really confusing, chaotic. Uh, but it's it works much smoothly now. Uh, we all got used to it. We know how to work from home. We've designed already like three, four seasons, uh, work four, even five, going on five collections from home seasons. So you know we're we're starting to get it. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw that you did you did fulfill your dream your dream and you did go back to teaching in Shankar. Yeah. So yeah. do you find managing and teaching have anything in common? Absolutely. So both of them happened the same time. So when we were in here, I felt just like everybody else uh, during March and April, we were all like kind of in one big chaos. And I really needed, I really needed something. I really needed some color. I needed some something to cheer me up. And everybody was so depressed. So no one was able to cheer me up. So I started drawing very extra colorful uh, flowers in a very, like, the lines were very broken, the shapes were incompleted, so it really matched my inside. Mm-hmm. And then um, people started to get very interested, and I started doing live sessions on Instagram, and people got more involved and more interested. And then I was like, why? I, I really miss like drawing with people. Why not just have a little group and just draw with people live, all of us on Zoom, because everything is with Zoom these days. Um, and I did it once or twice, and it was actually amazing. And putting myself in the mindset of like leading a class and hosting a class and teaching a class, and I started doing it with companies. I did it with Facebook. I did it with uh, Netflix. I did it with... Oh, wow. Yeah, so it started really... It was all of a sudden like a thing and it really helped me put me in some kind of like a focus zone that was missing at my job because I was, I I felt like I I don't know this guy and I don't know who she is. So it helped me like focus myself in that, um, in, in my work as well. So it actually happened the same time and it was just a way for me to really connect with my with my new job and what I do and the people around me and it really helped. It's so amazing. And I think a lot of times when we're so anxious about something, doing something really helps because it's like oh, a way sure. out of your brain. Right? Absolutely. And I think I had I had more teaching experience than um, managing experience because I was giving lectures in Shankar every every time I visited Israel and I was uh, doing workshops and I was working independently with people that want to go to Shankar and need help with their portfolio. So I had the experience in that and I had the experience um, in managing and as soon as I just connected between the two, it made sense. So we are like eight months or more, I stopped counting into the pandemic Going from lockdown to <laughs> lockdown, working, parenting, uh, managing. And I think one thing that's been on a lot of our minds, especially parents, especially mothers, has been burnout. And I want to, I wanna, in, in our in, in, uh, last few minutes together, I want to uh, read to you a tweet that I've read recently by someone called Katie Leeson. And I was so... I so identified with what she said, and I, I wanted to hear your thoughts and feelings about that. Yeah. So Katie Leeson uh, tweeted this. She says, we need to stop glamorizing overworking, please. The absence of sleep, good diet, exercise, relaxation, and time with friends and family isn't something to be applauded. Too many people wear their burnout as a badge of honor, and it needs to change. And I like just, I'm an overworker. 
I'm a workaholic. I love it. And I've definitely worn my burnout as a badge of honor many, many times. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably do it again. But it just like this, the way she put it, like wearing your burnout, you know, like when people ask you, how are you? And you say you're busy and it's, it's like a good, <laughs> good answer. Um, so I was wondering how, you know, as a creative, as someone who does so many things, as, you know, just a person and a mom uh, in the pandemic, what are your feelings about that? It's like the story of my life. Uh, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people, if not everyone, will say the same thing. the thing that's the really amazing thing about this pandemic we're all in the same boat we can all share feelings and understand each other even if we're doing something like if you're a lawyer i don't know mm-hmm. um and i'm a designer we, we will share the same that's a big equalizer yes yes we're all we're all in the same boat but um i can tell you as a creative person when i'm burned out which happens quite a lot um lately It is very difficult to create. It's very difficult to process uh, what you need to do and when and how. And especially if you, if, when I need to give the art direction and, you know, it's just, it's, it makes a, a huge mess in my brain. I think, and I don't do it enough, but I think taking the time at least once a day, even if it's like 10 minutes, Even if I'm just sitting to draw five lines that don't make sense at all and they don't make any shape or whatever, but just making those lines, just like letting my brain breathe a little bit, mm-hmm. so important. And everybody's talking about how you need to take 30 minutes a day and stretch, take a walk, go outside, <laughs> do something for yourself. It's so easy to say. It's so hard to really do. I can only speak from a, you know, a, a creative person perspective. It really... It really hurts my process if I don't do that. So this is something that I, I have to do. But, you know, keeping in mind that this, this thing will end eventually and we will be going back to somewhat normal or even if it's a new normal, it will be normal. And humanity went through a lot of difficult and horrible things and everyone was able to eventually like go back to normal. Um, so this is something this this hope has to stay there always. And I think what's something that really help, helps me, even if I don't have those 10 minutes, 10 minute breaks to take, which I usually don't, is just remembering that hope, remembering that we have to be grateful for what we have and for what we're given. And always remember that, Even at your lowest point when you're most burned out, there's still things to be thankful for. And they can light your way even when you're very, very low. So even if you don't have time for those 30-minute walk or mm-hmm. like take a bath, read a book, have a glass of wine, if you don't have time for that, at least like, like the least you can do is just be grateful for what you have and for everything that you do. That's beautiful. And I think for so many people, your painting classes are their way to to take time for this absolutely a lot of people after every class i get messages about how it was exactly what they needed even a lot of people come to the sessions without any experience the session is literally for everyone you don't have to know how to draw we don't sit and measure angles or anything and count how many like leaves the flower has we just we just go for it we it's, it's intuitive It heal- this is how it heals me as well. I get the same effect from it too. 
And last question, where do you get your inspiration? My inspiration comes in different uh, shapes and different moments. So I can wake up in the morning and feel very inspired. And I don't know why. I can read a book and get extremely inspired. That's the thing. In this time, in this period, it's easier to get like emotionally inspired by thoughts and feelings because I don't see art. I don't see music. I, don't, I can listen to music, but the effect of going out and seeing music is different. Um, I don't see a lot of friends. People usually really inspire me. Mm-hmm. So I feel like lately my inspiration has been more emotional and more like things that I miss or different thoughts that I'm thinking or like things that I'm feeling. Uh, but ge- So it really it changes. But I think if you're asking me generally speaking, then history of the art really inspired me. Fashion inspires me. People that I meet really, really inspire me. But now these days, it's just emotional things. Um, looking out the window. Uh, you just, you find your inspiration. Inspiration finds you sometimes. It's not something that you can look for. I love that thought of being inspired by emotions. And I'm for sure inspired by you today. So thank you so much, Lital, for joining me and, and joining us. Of course. Thank you so much. And just before we say goodbye, uh, where can people follow you, sign up for classes, just get inspired by your work? People can find me on Instagram. It's Lital Gold, L-I-T-A-L uh, Gold, the color. Uh, my website is litalgold.com. But if uh, anyone wants to purchase some of my work that I, I actually, this shop is all made of everything that's on my shop was created from lockdown. Like the very first wow. time I did the, the very first flower up to now. So that would be shoplitalgold.com. And people are always free to um, ask me questions, you know, just contact me. They can uh, subscribe and get updates for my session on in my shop or on Instagram. Amazing. Lital, thank you so much for being here and inspiring us. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for listening to Looks Like Work. You can find resources, links, and of course the episode's show notes at roomsandwords.com. That's rooms, like a room, and words, and like an and.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I really, really hope that you like my newsletter too. My newsletter is something that I send out every week and I share thoughts, links, books and just other things that I find thought-provoking, interesting, somehow contributing to these conversations that we're having here, or sometimes just joyously distracting. Again, the newsletter is sent out every week, and you can find the link to sign up on my website at roomsandwords.com, and I really hope to see you there, and of course to see you here next week. Have a good one!